welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Our 2018 preview series continues. We are crushing these win totals. If you have not gone back and gone through and poured over every single minute and second of analysis that we have dropped for the Pac-12 and the Big 12, well, then you're doing it wrong. And, and maybe after this podcast, maybe before this podcast, make sure you go back. And I know that the subscribers have already been on it, and we appreciate everybody who's given us five stars. Barton, you're, you're a real five-star caliber uh, podcast host showing up. It's Friday afternoon. Uh, the the full ACC. There's 14 teams. The 14 team conference. We have not even taken a bite out of this yet. How, how are you feeling as we prepare to tackle the Atlantic Coast Conference? I feel significantly better than how I felt heading into the Big 12. The ACC, I I've got a grip on. Like the Big 12, there was just there there's. There's a lot of indecision there. There's a lot of teams I don't know how to feel about. There's a lot of toss-up games. The ACC, I feel like I've got a handle on who is overrated, underrated, undervalued, overvalued. I'm I'm ready to, to crush this one. This Ooh. is going to be a home. This is going to be a home run set of prognostications. A home run set of prognostications. So you say that you're coming out of this one, maybe seeing. Uh, more locks nominations than could before? be some lock nominations out of this out of this one. Mm. In fact, well, here's the thing, Chip. So I haven't even really looked at the win total numbers. I've just gone through the conference and predicted what I think where I think their record falls, win by win, game by game. And I know that's like a you know you don't have to predict win totals that way. You can just see where you, you can find value. But that was the way I kind of laid out my my framework and so as we go through this I, and then right literally right before you called i glanced at the the win totals and i'm there's some very clear uh distinction there's some very there's some there's some white meat that i found that i'm gonna that i'm gonna take a big bite of <laughs> all right well then uh let's, let's ask the question everyone wants to know how many games are y'all gonna win this fall Count them up! Count them up! Count them up! How many games are gonna win this fall? How many games are gonna win this fall? And as we uh, as as we get into the Atlantic Coast Conference, we've been starting at the top, uh, working our way down uh, in. in because obviously a lot of the headliners are going to be the uh, the teams that have the highest win totals, and also because, I mean, as as, as we learned with Kansas, it's just you know there's only but so much you can you can stretch out in the content when you're talking about a team of whether you're going over or under two or three wins. It's just not just not the most exciting thing to do. So we begin with the Clemson Tigers. Las Vegas, the Westgate has set this number at eleven. This is uh, one of the most experienced groups and one of the most talented groups that Dabo Sweeney has ever had as head coach at Clemson. They've got 61 returning lettermen. They've got 17 returning starters. Christian Wilkins has already set the bar. He says that we want to be the best Clemson defense ever. 
and 11 wins uh, reflects national championship expectations. Barton, how are you feeling about this one? First of all, my wife is going to get a, a, a little bit weirded out if I keep on saying, how many wins are you going to get this fall in the shower? <laughs> Just like that's, that's soft. The great thing about your jingles is they stick, which means which makes them great jingles. Oh, uh, I appreciate so, that. So, yeah, yeah. So, I'm I'm on the over. Like I uh, I'm not going to be the one to predict that Clemson wins less than 11 games. No. Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, it could happen. But who's making that bet? Like I want to meet you, and, <laughs> and, and, and I want to learn why you feel like that's a a a good use of your money is to bet that one of Arguably the best, like uh, as this season progress, like we need to get to the season because the cl- the, the 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 more we have to preseason talk, I feel like the more this Clemson defense is going to get built up to the to the point where it's like this mythical group that that we've lost any real context of how good they they actually are. But what I was about to say was this could be one of the best defensive lines ever. Yeah, and so that if you want to be a national champion, that's probably the number one positional unit that I would pick for like, give me the best ever. Uh, so I think that Trevor Lawrence is eventually the quarterback and they've got look, Texas A&M on college station is tough in week two, but they have got, I think the schedule, the runway for Trevor Lawrence to grow into that role. And they've got a sick defense loaded with one of the, maybe the best defensive coordinator in the game, and frankly, their offense is probably even more talented top to bottom. When you talk about Travis Etienne at running back, there a lot of their offensive line back, including Mitch Hyatt, Sean Pollard, uh, John Simpson stepping in is really good as at guards. You know they've got T Higgins is about to be a, a breakout star yeah, this, in college football. Absolutely. Like so, what do you like? What do you want? What, if, if this isn't if this isn't uh, an over eleven pick, what does an over eleven what does the, an over eleven win team look like? You know uh, what I mean? Like it's I don't know how you can just say this. Yeah, give me ten wins. Yeah, and and this is again where uh, if if you want to ask me what the floor is for Clemson, I think it's a push at eleven and one. I think it's Clemson losing. I mean, they lost to Syracuse. They lost to Pittsburgh the year before that. Uh, the Clemson Tigers are not a a model of perfection, but in terms of uh, having everything that you need to win the ACC and to compete for a national championship in the college football playoff, if Clemson's not competing for the national championship in the college football playoff, something went horribly wrong. And the thing that I love about the way this team is built like you mentioned, Travis Etienne, uh, T. Higgins, Trevor Lawrence, solid offensive line. Like Clemson's been recruiting at a high level and developing well uh, on offense. It feels like the kind of team that can can go out there and and win a game with defense like uh, twenty four to twenty if it has to. It feels like the kind of team where because they like remember uh, the way that Clemson played Auburn. Like I, I think that we're going to see a lot of situations where uh, you've got uh, just a knowledge in the way that they call plays and the way that they set up their offense and the way that they game plan. It's like, well, you know what? We don't believe that 
this other team is going to be able to move the ball 80 yards. So we're more than happy to play field position for a quarter and a half. And just like one missed tackle or one bad coverage bust is going to be a touchdown because of how strong and how athletic our skill position players are. And that that's almost – it's interesting because – for a little bit during Clemson's rise, particularly when Chad Morris had his hands on things, you know, it was all about like they had a almost not an Oregon model, but they definitely had some of this like wide open offense. And this almost feels like it's more of an SEC team, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Well, yes, it does defensively. That well, there's the beauty of it. It feels like an SEC on defense, but it still feels like your prototypical Clemson team on offense because because of those because T Higgins and Amari Rogers a, a receiver and Travis Etienne who is a burner at running back behind him is Tavian Feaster who's like a 10 200 meter guy like it's not as if if they get a crease this team isn't going to hit you for huge gains and if Trevor Lawrence is in fact the quarterback then that unlocks a passing game that is built for the long ball and so I think you have a great point in that like both of these sides of the ball are so good at that you can have games where one side isn't clicking and the other side will compensate. And and beyond that, I don't like it. While I think the ACC is good, I don't see juggernauts on this schedule. Mm. So if you got to really like, all right, they go to they go to Florida State, who's you know Florida State's talented. And they'll they'll be good. But that, that'll be the Auburn game. That'll be yeah, the but, game where it's like really, really close. But there's just this confidence the entire time that they're going to be able to go out there. And it's like, well, you know what? Um, James Blackman or DeAndre Francois, like there'll be a point in the third or fourth quarter where like Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence and Cleveland Farrell are like, they're not going to get another first down. And you know what? They won't. But my point is like, if you're, if, if you're beating Georgia Tech by 20 and Syracuse by 21 and Wake Forest, by 18 and then NC State by 17 and look I mean they lost to Syracuse last year I'm not saying that's a given that all those but you feel like they're going to be significant favorites in all those games then you get to Florida State and you're and this is the game you're all loading up for and focused on a zero down it makes that like you're not going through an Auburn and LSU and a, and a Mississippi State and then all of a sudden you got to play Florida State like I just think this sets up for them to be able to handle whatever thrown in front of them. And I think, and, and I just look again, Trevor Lawrence has a chance to, to make this roster a lot more dangerous offensively than it was last year. So just, I don't, I, someone pitched me on the, on the down uh, on the downside to playing the over. There is none there. I mean, there, yeah. there, there's no, like, what do you, you are going to be setting yourself up for uh, a lot of misery if you're going into if, if you think you're going to be catching if, if you think that's the contrarian play well then it's going to be a <laughs> slow bleed before you finally sit there and watch your ticket go kerplunk in uh in late november yeah you're sitting there down the, the home stretch with at bc duke and south carolina looking for them to lose two like good luck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So we're we're both uh, confidently feeling over. And again, I will entertain a push to over if you do, if you don't want to uh, to get this ticket. But from from our perspective as so called professionals who are picking this, the, there is zero percent of me that advises you uh, taking the under. How many games are gonna win? 
Uh, we move from the defending Atlantic Division champions to the defending Coastal Division champions, the Miami Hurricanes. Fantastic start, exciting start. Uh, injury issues really crept up, and down the stretch, you had a, a disappoint, a little bit of a disappointing finish. Um, Boston College. Then that was followed by an ACC championship game, where defensively it felt like they were there offensively they didn't stand a chance against Clemson and then Wisconsin runs all over them in the bowl game uh 10 regular season wins is where we're picking this um you have an interesting note that Barton dropped on the podcast and if you haven't gone back to listen uh to some of our conversations over the summer the Barton you you are entertaining the idea that there could be a true freshman here at quarterback has that changed at all since we talked recently and what's your view on the Hurricanes it has not changed. I, I, I think the best quarterback on the roster is the true freshman. Uh, whether they're comfortable throwing him in there, I don't know. I, I, I doubt he's the starter against LSU. But by the time they're rolling around you know, to Florida State, he may have worked himself into that job. Um, Jaron Williams his name. He's out of Georgia. He was an early enrollee. Um, so keep an eye on that. I think Malik Rozier is good enough to win them. Every game they play, I mean, he's good enough, I think. I just I just don't think he's their best option. And Nikosi Perry's probably the most talented kid. He just is not – I don't think he's he's got the same grasp and and um, not the same quarterback mind as Jaron Williams to me. So here's where I'm at with, with uh, Miami. I've got him push, but I'm saying push to over because my two losses on this schedule are – and uh, I, th- oh, I guess, I mean, look, there's a couple of swing games. I think Florida State's a swing game. I've got them winning that one. That could certainly be a loss, too. So I, I guess I'm comfortably at push because I think another one they lose is LSU. That's in Arlington, sort of an LSU's backyard. That, is, I feel like Miami is the type of offense that LSU can keep this game as defensive as possible. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that defense can carry them enough. I'm not worried about Miami just ticking off 40 points on them. Um, So I think LSU figures out a way to win that game. And then I've got them losing at BC on a Friday night. Yeah, that's that's one. (laughs) I I think, see, I'm on the other side of this. I feel better about Miami against Florida State and LSU than I do against, like, Georgia Tech and BC and Virginia Tech. Yep. Like, I, I, I think that... There, I've got this one over, and, and I would agree that at ten, pushed over seems about right. And I'm I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, first of all, Miami three point favorite against LSU as it currently stands at the books. Um, I, for me, a lot of it's about the defense. Uh, Jaquan Johnson uh, in the defensive backfield, Shaq Quarterman at linebacker. They were so so good. And the, the staff around there continues to be excited about every new face that comes on there and where they can be. And I, I don't think that the turnover chain is going away anytime soon. And I don't think that Miami's uh, difference – well, I don't think Miami's separation defensively, defensively from most of the rest of that division – I think Virginia Tech is probably the only – uh, coastal division team that's anywhere close to their level and Virginia Tech we'll get to them in a little bit you know they've they've suffered some attrition and they've lost some players from uh, some of their more dominant groups in recent years and I I just give Miami 
uh, because of that defense, an advantage against most of the teams on its schedule. Now, the LSU game is big because, like we talked about with Washington going up against Auburn, it feels to me, and again, I'm predicting a Miami win, it feels to me that if Miami does win, you've got to push minimum here like that's like that, i agree that's I one agree. of those yeah. swing games for the hurricanes like, like if, if if that's a huge game for miami because if they beat lsu they're a playoff contender not because that's some huge referendum on on who lsu is or who Miami, but because when you look at the rest of their schedule it just feels like they should be favored in every game they play yeah Inclu- defense, including man, florida like, state including florida state including florida state because, I mean, look, Michael Jackson and Jaquan Johnson are dudes in the, in the defensive secondary. They've now got Michael Pinckney and, and Shaquille Quarterman and Zach McLeod who have played together in that linebacking court. For, this will be their third year together. Joe yeah. Jackson is developing into a stud. And then they've got home runs on the other side of the ball with Amon Richards and Jeff Thomas, big, big play threat, Travis Homer. Like, it's, they've, got, they, like they've got the pieces to be everything Miami fans want them to be. Uh, and and I think the schedule is manageable enough. So it'll be an interesting year. I don't think that this is the type of team that just 2001 Hurricanes like runs through everybody. But you know, there's a lot of 27, 16 type of wins in there. But I think this is this team's got the pieces. So uh, I, I would I would this is another one I would I would be scared of the under. Um, yeah, 100% scared of the under. And this is uh this is going to be a really interesting season for Mark Richt, uh, just in terms of as we continue to see what uh, his Miami, you know, career, this second chapter of his head coaching career, to to be able to take all of the excitement that came from Miami's start to be able to replicate it and be back in the ACC championship game, I think that would mark the a tremendous step forward in the sense of, of thinking that this could be uh, – sustained success because remember Miami joined the ACC in 2004 they started the ACC championship game in 2005 and it took 12 years before they even played for an ACC championship so the the climb to be able to be one of those teams that's constantly in the mix like Virginia Tech's played for the ACC championship six or seven times Georgia Tech's played uh like three or four, maybe even five times. You know, Clemson and Florida State have frequently been passing it back and forth. M- Miami should be there. Miami should be one of those teams that's at the top. And so I, if they can get back, which I'm expecting, uh, especially going over on the 10 wins, I think, I think that that's, again, it's, it's hard to be giving out consolation prizes, but, man, when you're in the same conference as the Clemson Tigers, like one of the best defensive lines of all time, it's kind of what we're looking at, right? All, all they need to do is make sure they have a quarterback that doesn't lose games. Yeah, and 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 that won't be sexy, but I mean, if Malik Rozier loses a couple games for him, then that's a problem. Um, but I think that we're at a point where that's not that I, I don't I don't I don't expect that. How many games are going to win this fall? Uh, Virginia Tech, Miami's most likely competition in the ACC Coastal Division this year, uh, at least the way we expect it. The number set at eight and a half. No more push sauce here. We got to make our calls. Eight and four, nine and three. Do you see it going higher? Do you see it going lower? Uh, Josh Jackson back it could be uh, could be really really strong. Might not even be the best quarterback in that room. Maybe um, this was this was a group that, in my eyes, ran out of steam towards the end of the season. I mentioned that we've lost some players to the NFL. 
They've also kicked some players off the team, uh, some important defensive players as well. This, I, I look at this, and I think this is a fascinating year for Virginia Tech. I don't have high expectations. Um, Where would you sit on the win total? I, I got them eight and four, so I'm on the under. Mm. Um, so obviously I'm, I'm close there, so this isn't one of my, my locks, but I, I am on the underside. And look, they only returned five guys on defense, but even among those five now, they've lost like – They've lost Jeremy Webb, Adonis Alexander. Um, now they lost Mook Reynolds. Like their secondary has been devastated by injuries slash suspension slash dismissals, and it's that's something like they're going to probably be playing some freshmen back there pretty early on that um, are going to get tested. I like Justin Fuente a lot. I think. Obviously, Bud Foster's reputation speaks for itself. I think they'll be talented. I think that they'll be, like, based on just sort of who's coming back, I think there's a lot of reason to, to think th- that the, the numbers should be even lower than eight. But I just trust this staff to get this team, I, I think, really prepared. I think the next, I think 2019 is potentially the year we see them jump up to 10, 11 wins. I think this year is that sort of slight step back before a big step forward. I think they're 8-4. and four. I agree, Joshua Jackson, not the most talented quarterback in that room, but probably still the most prepared. Um, I just don't <clears throat> I just don't see uh, – when I look at the rest of the ACC, I don't see more than eight wins. Uh, I've got them losing to Florida State. I've got them yeah. losing to Notre Dame. Um, I got him losing to Miami because I mean I was, I've got I was him losing to Miami. That was my pitch back to you was uh, I think a lot of Virginia Tech for me the swing game is Florida State. Do you think that Virginia Tech beats Florida State? My answer is no. Yeah, especially I mean that's week one. I just man that's that's a that's pretty quick where you got to get some some guys ready. I mean that's a thin secondary right now. They've gotten decimated. I mean, they lose a first rounder and then three starters. Do you and have one fell swoop. Any idea how hyped Tallahassee is going to be for the start of the Willie Taggart era in that game? Heck yeah! Oh my! And they gosh. got and like I got them losing a Duke like at Duke too. I mean, I, I, obviously they could win that, but I mean those are the type of games I think that they're capable of losing also. And so I, I again I like the direction of this program right now, but I don't I don't see nine wins. A lot of agreement here. Uh, my three guaranteed L's, I had Florida State, Notre Dame, Miami. And then, just like you said, I just think there's a very good chance that there's one more. I, do, yeah. I don't see enough separation. The separation that I see from Clemson and Miami to the rest of the teams in the, in the, on their schedule just isn't there with Virginia Tech. So I think there's some, some – that's the smart pick. You got to go under. I, it's not going to be a bad season, but it's just not going to be uh, – it's not going to even sniff a 10-win season, I don't think. Yep. Count them up! All right, let's go. What do we have next? I think it's Florida State. Florida State, seven and a half wins. Um, I already said I've got Florida State picking up the W there, but I – it's still a really tough schedule. Yeah. Uh, I've got – it, it, this is this is probably I think this is one of the tougher ones to peg because what is Florida I mean what is Florida State going to be like part of my my slow roll on Florida State I'm a little surprised that number's that low honestly I would expect it eight and a half um, 
in which because I've I've got him at eight. I've got him eight and four, and I think you know I would I was expecting to see an eight and a half number and be be below it, but I'm above a seven and a five number because man, they're still talented. Like I don't I mean. I do think Willie Taggart's reputation is not to come in and su- like he is a he's a little bit of a slow burn. His repu- like he, traditionally it's taken him a couple. It took him a couple years Western Kentucky. It took him a couple years at USF. Uh, last year was a had some flashes at Oregon, but it wasn't some dramatic change. So I don't expect to see this dramatic change at Florida State. But at the same time. It wasn't a disaster. Last year was just this perfect confluence of circumstances that created a really disappointing year for a really talented team. They're still really talented. Brian Burns is still a potential first-round draft pick. You know, I mean, Cam Akers is a preseason Heisman Trophy candidate. Like, he rushed for 1,000 yards last year as a true freshman despite Jimbo Fisher reluctantly playing him. You know, like, there's a lot of reason to think this team is going to be really good and capable of beating anybody. I've got them losing at Miami. I've got them losing to Clemson. I've got them losing at Notre Dame. That's a, that's a certainly winnable. And then there's another one that I've got BC beating, but that even is a to me is a swing bank game. Like I I could see this team being I could see I, I'm more confident in nine and three than I am seven and five. Wow. Okay. I'm not ready to go there. I'm over, but I can easily see how seven and five happens. And a lot of it has to do with looking back at last year, where a talented team. Uh, like you made the joke, um, you know, they've got all these returning starters, but you know, what did those returning starters do? Yeah. And there's all these little stretches in the schedule that make me nervous where if, if a loss lingers or if, you know, thing, if things start snowballing in a bad way, like they, they go to play Louisville on the road and I think that's a Florida state win, but what if it's not? Then you've got to go to play Miami, and that's not a really good turnaround. Then you get really hyped for the Clemson game in Tallahassee, but then the next two games are on the road at NC State, where NC State could definitely win, and at Notre Dame. That's not even like including Florida. So I've got like the probably five or six games that I'm circling where you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm picking Florida State to win here, but I am absolutely recognizing that if things go bad – and if the collective muscle memory of that room is allowed to uh, sort of take a step back into where it was a year ago, then this this could be seven and five. But seven and five is the absolute floor here. And when I when I totaled up my uh, predictions for how each of these games are going to go, I, I've got them beating Virginia Tech, uh, I've got them beating Louisville, and I've got them beating Florida, and I've got them finishing at eight and four. Uh, yeah. Yep. So, I mean, we're on the same page there. Uh, A lot of agreement so far, but look, I think, so I think we're both with a, with an over here. Um, I'm more enthusiastic than you are, but I do think Cam Akers is, this is, I mean, he's a, he could be a breakout star, um, nationally this season for those that haven't, haven't watched him much. Um, and there are some five star top five recruiting classes ready to come of age here. So I, I think that there is some significant upside. Count them up. How many games are going to win this fall? The last time a team from the ACC Atlantic Division played Alabama in a season opener, Alabama crushed its quarterback and sent its season in a tailspin. Will the same thing happen to the Louisville Cardinals? 
Oh, that's, <laughs> this this feels like the wrong year for Louisville <laughs> to be opening up with Alabama. I don't think either of these teams envisioned uh, this. Like, I, all right. So, what's their number? Seven. Louisville's at seven. I've got I've got a. This is like uh, emphatic under. To me. Emphatic? I'm push yes. under. I mean, it's, uh, give me, give me, uh, give me your look at it. So, I don't know why my confidence in Louisville has dropped off so significantly. And and I will say, as I look at their defense in particular, I do see some names on there that I like, like Brian Van Gorder. That's not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's that. That to me speaks to. The trajectory of Bobby Petrino, like that he doesn't understand that that's a bad, that feels like a lazy hire and that he doesn't understand that that's not a good hire, I think is is damning on him. That he didn't understand that Peter Sermon last year probably wasn't the best hire. You know, that Mississippi State was getting rid of him and taking Louisville's DC. Why would, why would that trade make sense? I just, it doesn't, like, I don't, I think that they're, the stock is trending in the wrong direction. Lamar Jackson was obviously um, kind of everything to this offense. And while I haven't seen Juwan pass since high school, I know heading into college he had a long way to go. From I mean, he's he's got he's talented and he's got a, a lot of upside, but he had a long way to go as he left college and he's got or after he left high school and he's got what two hundred thirty eight yards of passing for his career right now. I just this is one of those deals where if I, as if 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 we're calling a lot of these teams in the ACC similar and I think I am. This is another conference that feels like beyond Clemson and maybe Miami there's a lot of of there's not a lot of difference between the third team and the last. So someone is going to be surprising has is going to have a surprisingly small win total. This feels like a team that will that has is is a candidate for that. Uh, so I've got them at under seven. I pro, I pro, project anywhere from uh, four to five wins. But yeah, this is this is where the first step back for Louisville since joining the ACC. I think this is where it comes. Um, where the it, if they were still in the Big East or if they were in the American Athletic Conference, there would be a few more gimmies on the schedule to help uh, a season where you're kind of in transition, where you're, where you're just going to have to figure some things out on the fly in the middle of the season. But you start with Alabama. There's no time to figure things out on the fly. And I here's what I got. Alabama, Florida State, Wake Forest, Clemson, losses. Wake Forest is going to be a dub forever because of Wakey Leaks. And I'm on the record as saying that. That is a new rivalry game in the ACC, and I'm taking the Deeks as long as Dave Clawson is still there. So Alabama, Florida State, Wake Forest, Clemson as losses, and then some combination of NC State, Georgia Tech, and or Boston College. If it's all three of those, they're five and seven. If it's two of those, six and six. And even if they, if it's one of those, which I think is bare minimum, that's still a push. So I'm at push under, and I, I'm looking around and thinking that, so I guess that leaves just 
um, Syracuse, and some non-cons as some of the only games I feel okay about. Yeah, there's to me as as, as much as I think this, the the under is a safe play. Like I can't, I can't even, I can't fathom eight wins. I just yeah. can't. I don't see it. They're not <laughs> it's not on there. It's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere. <laughs> Uh, there's not eight wins on this. That's a good. I need to clip that. That's a. That, that's. I might need. To, might need to have a uh, another edition of the win totals with featuring Barton Simmons. The remix. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nah. I, and and like, is that? Uh, is is that not giving Bobby Petrino enough credit? Or is because uh, that that looked. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's my only hesitation. Is like, oh, I don't know. Maybe Bobby Petrino's just that good of a coach. Like, are you really going to bet against this great coach? But we've been force-fed that for a while, and I'm not saying it's not true, but I'm not, you know, I don't know. Like, he just had the best player in college football for the past two years, and they didn't win more than eight regular season games. But he also trotted out, like, three quarterbacks. Like, Lamar's freshman year, he only was, like, finally allowed to get out there and be the guy near the end of the season. They had Reggie Bonifon, who ended up switching to sort of a running back skill position player, and then they had like one of the Bolins. Um, and he just he, he was yanking them in and out all during the game. I mean, just the the classic, uh, all all of the classic tendencies that you would expect from someone who you might allege to be an overcoacher. I feel like that was what we saw during Lamar's freshman season in two thousand. I guess that would be. 15 they still won five conference games and finished eight and five we're gonna we it's been a while since we've really seen some serious red face bobby we're gonna see some red face bobby this year yeah we are Count them up. um all right let's keep it in the acc atlantic next up is the nc state Wolfpack. this number set at seven this number feels right uh yeah it does uh that's what I got. I'm at seven. Um, this, it, it's this is just yeah. You're right. Like it just feels like a seven and five team. Dave Doran's sort of a seven and five, eight and four coach. Um, and they, as much as they lost up front defensively, they've you know they've still got some guys behind them. Guys like Darian Roseboro. Time for them to step up. Um, they still have Ryan Finley. Offensively, I like. I still like. I like their wide receivers, uh, yeah. guys like Kelvin Harmon, uh, leading a group that seemed to really uh, come of age last year. Almost most of them back, and that is, you know, that that's coming out of a situation where they were using uh, Jalen Samuels and Naheem Hines uh, a little bit out of necessity at times. You know, Eli Drinkwitz having to manufacture offense because they didn't have real game changers on the outside. So it's going to be a different look, but I think it can be an equally as efficient and productive offense. Defensively, I'm expecting uh, a little bit of a step back. I mean, that when, for example, when NC State played Clemson last year, it was an absolutely thrilling game. In fact, the last two NC State-Clemson games, NC State's played Clemson right down to the end. And last yeah. year, uh, with Bradley Chubb and Contavious Street and even Roseboro, as you mentioned, like that defensive line looked very much on par uh, with Clemson's defensive line in that game in terms of the ability to be difference makers. That's just not going to be there. And I that's that's where you just start 
you know, totaling it up. My question, particularly about the schedule, is what you have for the West Virginia game? That was the thing I was going to bring up, too. I've, I've got them winning that game, um, which is this, it's a little bit of a toss-up, but I don't know why. I just My hunch is they figure out a way to win that game, uh, and that's part of the seven wins. Like, I've got all their losses in conference. Uh, so it's just a, I don't know that they, you know, I don't think they beat Clemson or Florida state or, or, you know, I've even got them losing at North Carolina last game of the year. So, but, but no, West Virginia, I think they figured out a way on that one. Um, I've got, I think Florida state can be a dub. I think Clemson's definitely a loss. Uh, I also think I've got North Carolina winning that game at the end of the year, man, that, that West Virginia game is going to be fun. I'm, I hope I, I don't know where I'm going to be for that week three, but if I'm if I'm in town, I'm going to try to scoot over there because, man, what a what a what a fun odd matchup. I know it, that yeah, that's one of those that just they feel like the type of teams that should play a lot. Right? It's like no, <laughs> I do, I don't have West Virginia winning the Big Twelve. I don't have NC State winning the ACC. But I sure as hell have both of them being you know seven or eight win teams. So let's let them like it's it's almost like we get to go through in the non cons we get to go through like the boxing weights you know like this this is another weight class like it ain't it's it's not the weight class that we get with Miami LSU but man it's it's a great undercard for it no doubt uh one guy I'm excited to see is Ricky Person freshman running back I could see him being a, a major contributor right away he was maybe the our number one running back in the country last year or one wow. of them anyways um. So like they're, it's always fun when when NC State, you know, gets these elite level guys because they'll 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 win a couple of those elite battles every once in a while. So I could see that guy being an impact guy right away. Big uh, big storyline locally here. Not to hijack our national podcast, but uh, what is your read on what they've been able to do in the state? Because that's been a prevailing storyline pushed by NC State's coaches, certainly as they are promoting their own efforts and their own programs. But as they've continued to to roll in commitments from a lot of the top players, you know the whether you're Larry Fedora, Dave Doran, or you know any of the coaches before them, it's always been about you know putting up that fence or building that wall or whatever you want to say. Uh, do you do you see? Have you has that reached you? Is that storyline something that uh, on the national level is resonating too? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, and, and certainly, yeah, I think. The key is not only winning the state, but like beating. Like they they won Peyton Wilson, who was an in-state guy. They beat out the Notre Dames and the national powers of the world for a guy like that. You know, Ricky Person, same thing. Um, you know, so they're getting their fair share. I mean, they're not dominating the state, but when they're winning some of those guys that could go anywhere in the country and they choose to stay home, then I think that's that's important. So they, they've they, this is a, a staff, and they always evaluate really well and develop really well too. So that that's. That's probably a program like NC State as important as anything. Count them up. Duke's number set at six and a half. Um, I, th- when you look at the schedule for Duke, six and a half feels like a high number from what you'd expect to see from Las Vegas. It. What? What? You tell me, Duke. I, I've got my my take is like. You, you go first. Okay. Uh, I think Daniel Jones is an, has NFL talent, 
and he's a third-year starter, and I think he's going to have a fantastic season. I think that they've got some skill players on the outside that let him down a little bit last year, and that's going to be the the challenge for the staff to make sure that we don't have as many drops, to make sure that the running game is going to be consistent. I think the offensive line is is a valuable like that's a that's a question. If you wanted to to pick the under on Duke and say I, I don't think they have the offensive line to go and win seven games, it, you know if that's what you want to hang your hat on, that's fine. But I'm I'm putting it on the defensive line. I think Duke's defensive line is going to be as good, if not the best, that it's been in the last five, six, or seven years. Where we're going to look at at that group in key moments in fourth quarters. And we're going to be like, wow, that, that group is able to, you know, Duke. Duke should not have, uh, according to, you know, the idea of it being, you know, small private school. Like, you would not expect Duke football to be out here with a defensive line that can go and create stops that win ball games. But I, I'm really excited about the defense. I think that the everything coming out of Durham and from the coaching staff seems to indicate that, when the flip switched, when the switch flipped last year, uh, every like there, there was almost like an adjustment, and everything has been positive since then. They changed up some of the responsibilities on the coaching staff. They previously were like always the first ones into spring practice. They switched up their spring, and Cutcliffe came out of spring. I mean, everybody's confident, but David Cutcliffe is a no BS coach. Like when when you talk to him. He will he'll tell you what his concerns are. And his concerns are on the offensive line. It's not defensively. He feels really good about it. And so I I've I've got David Cutcliffe. I've got a three year starter with NFL talent, and I've got higher than usual expectations for the defense. I've got this Duke over. Chip, I got him at nine and three. Woo-hoo-hoo! Yes. <laughs> like, I mean, I just sort of stumbled into nine and three, though. I yeah, mean, yeah, you just started I, like uh, just I look, them I up. look up and all of a sudden, oh, they're nine and three. Like they, in fact, they. I've got them starting the season seven and zero. Oh. Okay, but and but so that means like I, I don't think at Baylor, at Northwestern, and against Army, any one of those could be losses. Right. I, I've got them Agreed. as wins. But any one of them could be losses, and that's kind of that. That's where I think if you. When I said when you look at the schedule, this feels like a high total from what Vegas would think about Duke in terms of the the usual perception of Duke, where if you're going to be playing three quality teams in the non I mean, Duke's walked out here before playing Western Carolina, uh, Georgia Southern. You know, like they've they've loaded up with the cupcakes, and that's not this team. So this it's almost like with a different schedule, I could see this being a nine or ten win team. Uh, but man. So, yeah. I mean, you just mentioned that how much you like their defensive line. Well, yeah. all right. They also have Joe Giles Harris and Ben Humphreys, a oh, linebacker jo- yeah. who are studs. Joe Giles Harris is one of the best linebackers in the country. Mark Gilbert is a dude at, at, at cornerback. Uh, Daniel Jones, uh, maybe people don't realize it, but uh, look, am I wrong in saying that they think he's a potential first round draft pick? Correct. No, they do. And they know what a first round draft pick looks like a quarterback. And they've got seven of their top eight receivers returning. Like it doesn't. It is as much as I've sort of stumbled into nine and three. Like I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> you know. Like I'm not. I'm. I'm. Like I'm. 
I'll say it proudly. Like I think I've got a nine. Well, no, that's, that's not proudly. I'll say I'll say it like, like surprisingly, I've got a nine and three. But uh, I don't know, man. Like I, I think that this is a team that that sets up nicely for this year. And and David Cutcliffe is capable of a nine and three season. You know, I mean, they were that they were four and eight two years ago, but. They trended back up last year, and this is the next step up. And that's you know they were ten and four in 2013. Like I, I'm okay with it. I'm picking nine and three, and I'm okay with it. I I'm not picking nine and three <laughs> uh, at Clemson and at Miami. I'm getting, ha- handing out the L's, and in the same way that like if I'm going to come out and say that Virginia Tech is not beyond. Uh, dropping uh, a, a head scratcher to a division opponent, Duke Duke's in the same bucket, and so at Clemson, at Miami, uh, Northwestern, Baylor, Army, North Carolina, a Georgia Tech, they're all Tech, losable. Like, they're all like, losable. Again, I get it, and yeah, I agree with that. That's I, I think that that's where I get it. it's like the fact that uh, I've got two off the bat that I'm willing to chalk up as L's gets me a little bit closer to feeling like seven wins I feel very good about, and it might be a lock. I don't know, now that I know that you're all in, but it's like I'm much more operating in the seven to eight win uh, region for the Blue Devils this year. Like I kind of like the way I, I approached it without being influenced by the win total because I was shocked when I looked up and Duke was six and a half. Like I, that, this is seven and a half at minimum feels right here, but, you know, we'll see. Count them up! Uh, let's take it to six. Six wins is the number for Syracuse, and it's a it's a tough number because this is a year where I think there's a lot of expectation that Dino Babers is going to be able to flip the switch, and you know we saw them be able to uh, take down Clemson a year ago. They know that they are very very close to the vision. Close your eyes, for me. visualize this. You're in the carrier dome. The house is filled. The feeling is electric. The noise is deafening. You have a defense that is relentless. You have a special team that has been well coached. You have an offense that will not huddle. And you have a game that's faster than you've ever seen on turf. Open your eyes. That's going to be a reality. That's going to be Syracuse football. I think that the open your eyes moment I don't know if it's going to come this year. I know, man. I, I this is one like I, I, I stumbled into nine and three for Duke. I kind of stumbled into four and eight for Syracuse. Yikes! And and that's and I don't. I could see seven and five. Like I don't. That is not a confident four and eight, because I, I get that Syracuse. Will I mean this is what do we say? Is this year three? Yeah, year three for Dino. The quarterback's back. He's dealt with a lot of injuries, Eric Dungy. If he can stay healthy, 
they'll be a lot better than if he if he deals with those injuries again. I mean, they did lose Steve Ishmael and Irvin Phillips, who were beasts on the outside. But I don't know. I just it was one of these where I, just, I had trouble finding the wins. Um, and they're they're very much that swing team for a lot of a lot of pro. Like they are that team that is a, a, a coin flip. You know, when they play a North Carolina or a Pitt or a, a Louisville, you know, like that, those are games that go either way. Um, and so I'm not comfortable saying that they're going to win those swings and get over six. I'm not confident saying they'll be under, but man, six seems like a big number. Um, feels like it should be five, five and a half. Uh, so I'm at four. For a, for a team that uh, has some opportunities to recreate that Carrier Dome magic, with Florida State and Louisville coming to town, and I, th- I think either one of those could be moments where that happens. Uh, I think it's going to be tough. Here, how about this? Do you put um, the fact that Syracuse plays in the Dome, do you knock them back at all when they go on the road in November? Because they've got three tough games on the road in November, and if they're suffering any kinds of the injury attrition that they have – uh, recently, and they're in that outside, different climate. Like that's that's kind of where I. Well, um, I've got them losing all those games. Uh, well, there <laughs> you, you know? go. Like I've got them losing to Wake. I've got them losing to Notre Dame. I've got them losing to BC. Yeah. I mean, those are good teams. Those are really good teams. I just think, even though here's kind of my my take on Syracuse. Even though their trend line is is pointing up, even though they are improving, I don't. I feel like other teams in the conference have improved to a, a, a higher like they're not they've not improved to be better than wake they've not improved to be better than bc like they may be have like those teams were better than them before and they are also improving i guess is kind of what i'm getting at like they're still behind they're still trailing everyone as the conference is getting collectively better even pitt who we'll talk about like they returned 10 starters on defense you're you gonna chalk that one up for a win when they're going to pit um I, you know i i just uh, i think that this is it's just even though I respect this team as someone that can knock off anybody at any time, hard for me to find the wins. Wake Forest number also set at six. Uh, I I kind of felt like this one was uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit. I'm I you I got to go first on Duke. You go on Wake. Okay. Did, did you bring your head up and have eight wins on this one? So uh, Wake uh, had. And, and I mean, basically, they yeah they have eight, they'll have eight wins. Yes, they'll have eight wins because they had seven last year. And the way Dave Clawson <laughs> works is he went to one more game than he won the year before <laughs> until he gets to eight wins or nine wins, then he leaves. Uh, I mean, yes, like joking aside, like I, I it is I just Wake still feels like a team that is getting better as a program. I know that they lost some players to the NFL and to, to graduation. But I think the health of the program continues to take step forwards collectively every year. You know, they've recruited at a high enough level now to where the guys that they've been redshirting and waiting their turn are stepping in prepared and ready to be like impact guys. And so, uh, you know, the there's been a little bit of like quarter like Kendall Hinton I think is suspended for a few games. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so I you know they got to they got to make sure quarterback is settled. But they they return, you know, two good backs. Um, they did lose Tabari Hines, but they've got um, 
you know, they've got good receivers returning. You know, they, I, I just and defensively, guys like DJ Taylor, they step up and it's going to be their turn to make plays. So I've got them. Um, I pick one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I got them. Yeah, I got them eight and four. They're going to miss John Walford. Yeah, but they. But uh, look, that's why I'm a little bit like I wonder. I kind of wonder what's going on at quarterback because Kendall Hinton played meaningful snaps until his uh, knee exploded. But I. But like, and and they've recruited some good quarterbacks that can that I, I I don't know what their room looks like right now but I suspect those guys can play so I'm not you know that, that I, John Wolfer's departure shouldn't be dismissed I, and I'm trying I hope I'm not dismissing it I just feel more confident in the rest of the program from a health standpoint than just act than just thinking that they're one you know one quarterback away from from being back to six and six yeah, I, I've got uh, seven or eight wins as the ceiling and six as the floor, and a lot of it's because of the program depth that you spoke of. I've got Clemson, Florida State, and NC State as a loss. And by the way, how about this little factoid? Uh, Wake Forest has won in Raleigh against NC State once in the last 30 years. Wake Forest has won in Raleigh once. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know. It was in 2006. The year and that, that game is the year that so, they won the ACC. I, I I've got that marked as a win, but I think that's probably could be a loss, especially with it being in Thursday on a Thursday night. But even you know I've given myself a little wiggle room to still hit that over uh, with that making it puts them down to seven and five. I just principally needed to move. Dave Clawson's win total up just one. Okay, all right. I'm glad we got to the <laughs> core of the discussion. Uh, yeah, well, I, I'm I'm Wake Forest uh, pushed over seven and five seems right. Uh, I don't see this Wake Forest team going five and seven. Just done done feel like that's what we're looking at. All Agreed. right, count them up uh, to the five and a half. Boston College, um, like almost wanted to go over. And just like just say AJ Dillon, like that we have not we haven't seen the last time that Boston College had a difference maker at running back, uh, it was Andre Williams and he ran for two thousand yards, and I think that AJ Dillon in two thousand eighteen could absolutely do what Andre Williams did in two thousand thirteen, and like I just I I don't know if they're gonna go seven and five, but I feel pretty good that they can go six and six emphatic over wow. like enthusiastic Sick. fired up over potential locks podcast edition i you're telling me that all this team has to do is get to a bowl at with 10 offensive starters returning a heisman trophy candidate aj Dillon, who was a stud like arguably the best running back in college football when he finally got the full workload uh, you know this this team is They've got a lot of defensive talent. Like this is the best Steve Adazio team he's had, and and all they have to do is get to a bowl to hit the over. I, I mean, I know quarterback has uh, continues to be this sort of uncertainty, but I mean Tommy Sweeney's a good tight end. Kobe White is is really talented at receiver going into his sophomore season. Like they're always going to be pretty good up front, and they return everybody. They return all their offensive line starters. I, I don't this that shocked me when I saw five and a half was the number from Vegas. When you all right, so when you totaled it up, what'd you get? 
I got I got a minimum of eight <laughs> with a minimum. With a, yes, with a Florida State swing game. Wow. So eight with losing to Florida State, nine beating Florida State. That's got to be the biggest discrepancy that I've heard yet. That's the biggest discrepancy that I've had yet. Market inefficiency I, alert. <laughs> we have market inefficiency alert. The Boston College. The that might be uh, that might be one of an early season principle for uh, point spreads. Like, yeah, just start just start playing BC. I mean, they play UMass and Holy Cross the first couple weeks, so you won't be able to learn much about them. And then they go to at Wake. Like, I mean, they're gonna, they're still going to win ugly. Like, there's still going to be games when you're looking at BC and it's just like you're just kind of, sort of grossed out. But they still are going to win. Uh, I've got them beating Miami. Um, that's not Friday that, night. That's not that crazy. Chestnut Hill. Is it, and, know, isn't, like, and isn't that a, a fr- that's Miami's that's Miami's one conference loss that I've got Miami. And is uh is that still Thanksgiving weekend? Like f- the Friday after Thanksgiving. No, I don't, uh, no, it's uh, still it's Friday, late October. Okay, still Friday night in Chestnut Hill. Yeah, like, go I mean, go talk to USC. That thing can go sideways real quick. That's right. That's right. Um, um, wow. It'll be it'll be a little nippy. It'll be a little nippy for those Hurricanes. Um. So I'm. I yeah. I. Uh, that's that, that's like and like I said. I didn't. I didn't know what the number was, and I look up and I'm like, "All right, I'm I'm talking eight or nine wins," and and you're telling me they just got to get to a bowl. Lock let's, it up. Let's go. Count them up. Uh, Georgia Tech's number also set at five and a half. Um, I I mentioned this before. It, it usually, when everybody is down on Georgia Tech, is when Paul Johnson all of a sudden uh, creeps to like puts together a. You know, a seven and five season where he was six and two in conference play and still ends up playing for the ACC championship game. Um, I I am looking at a potential one and three start for the Yellow Jackets coming out of the gate. So, uh, yeah, definitely and, potential. And then, like, you throw on the Georgia game at the end of the year. We're down to four losses. You say maybe they're going to cat. You know, they've they've got a. They they've got at least, in my opinion, five losses for sure. Like I'm looking at a seven win ceiling. Five and so where you are, what's your pick? I'm under here, by the way. What's what's their number? What's the Georgia Tech number? Five and a half. Yeah, I've, I've got them at five, so I'm under. Um, I just South Florida in week two. Yeah, um, and I could see them winning. Like I actually pencil them in for winning that, even though acknowledging that's a very clear loss opportunity too but you know i snuck them a win in somewhere later down the roads um but it's just i don't know like last year last year was an enthusiastic over if i remember correctly and so i'm sort of shook after last year and even after week one the way they played tennessee and they should have beat they should have won that game but i mean it could like they almost beat miami lost by one point to miami you know they lost by two touchdowns to Clemson. They lost by you know they barely lost to Virginia. It's just a weird team. Like don't just don't bet on this team. Yeah, don't bet on Georgia Tech because like, it, I don't. At some point the the Paul Johnson magic is going to run out. Like like there's it, I guess, but does he have a little bit of like just the Bill Snyder to where like he could just go on indefinitely? Mm. Where it's just it's all it is is the system. 
you know, it doesn't even matter who they recruit. They don't even try to recruit. They just bring guys in and just run them through their system. And so I'm not convinced that like Paul Johnson is going to start winning two games a year anytime soon. I just think it's, you know, hey, they may, they'll be, if they're four and eight, they'll be five plays away from eight and four. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, it's, it's, I'm not comfortable with the variables here at Georgia Tech. So I picked under, but I am not recommending you play Georgia Tech after Paul Johnson. We, we were so high on him all last year, and then he gives us five wins. Yeah. Um, I've, I've got another five-win season the way I total it up. And, man, but they got Taquan Marshall back at quarterback who looked really good against Tennessee. Sure. Mm. He's good. He's good. But, I mean, how are you, what are you going to do? <laughs> well, you can, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna pretend to be able to predict Georgia Tech. I'm just not, I'm not gonna play that role. You can't make me wear that hat, Chip. Count them up. Pittsburgh uh, also set at five and a half, and this is the point in the exercise where Pittsburgh was on the down end of a lot more of these swing games for other teams as I was going through the process, then it feel like I'm looking at Pittsburgh and I, I don't think that this is going to be a five and seven team. Is this number five and five and a half too? Yeah. This number is five and a half too, but Penn state UCF and Notre Dame out of conference. And then as I mentioned, I've just got them on the, on the losing end of some swing games elsewhere. If I'm going to have the, if I'm going to have any kind of integrity about this evaluation and about this this process, I've got to stick to my guns. If I've got Boston College beating Pitt, I can't all of a sudden right. count it as a win for Pitt. So I right. I think Pitt will be better. I think that uh, I think they need to fix quarterback for sure. But man, I'm I'm going under at five and a half. Okay, I, I'm in the same predicament because I went through the schedule and Pitt was one of the back-end teams that I, that I looked at. And here I am and I'm looking back and I've got all these L's next to Pitt. And I don't think they're as bad as I've got their record. Right. I got them winning like three games. And I'm like, that's not who this – this isn't a three-win quality team. But when, like, I, I do think they've got Penn State and Notre Dame out of conference. That stings. Um, they've got – they got at Miami. UCF. Like, they got UCF. That's, mm. a, that's brutal. God, that's brutal. And so I, my, my thing with Pitt is I'm, I guess I'm going to have to take the under again, like you said, just because you just kind of if, – if that's, if that's the way things have fallen, is the way they've fallen. But I don't, I, I don't like the pick because Pitt has – like we're at what? We're year four with Narduzzi. And we've long sort of been told, hey, it takes a couple years for this defense to get implemented. And, you know, they've had all these quarterback issues. Well, now all of a sudden they got nine starters coming back on defense. And they're, and they're quality guys. And they've got Kenny Pickett, a sophomore quarterback, who they started last year or they, who they played last year, even knowing that by playing Pickett, they were going to send packing orders to the two guys above him in, in class. You know, so so Thomas McVitie and Danucci bounce because they said, "Look, this kid's our guy. Kenny Pickett's our guy," and I think so. I think he is he is a legitimate answer at quarterback. Darren Hall's a solid running back. You know, they've got uh, 
Charles Reeves is a redshirt freshman who I'm fascinated by at, at tight end. But, hey, man, I, I made my bet. I got to sleep in it. I, I got him under. But I, I'm if you want to take Pitt on the over, you're not going to hear an objection from me. Yeah, because all right, it's where do you stack Pitt up against its own division? Like, best case scenario, number four, maybe? Number three, best case scenario? And then the cross-division opponent is a road game at Wake Forest. And then, as we mentioned, Penn State, UCF, and Notre Dame. I mean, it just you, you total them up too fast. That's really what it boils down to. Like, So if I've got – if you're playing three – if you have three winnable non-conference games, then, then all of a sudden that adds – not three – like most teams have three lock wins, non-conference game, and one tough one. Well, Pitt's got three games that they're going to be underdogs in, and they're a pretty good team. And so it's uh, it makes it tough to hit that over. So, but man, it's it, I still think this is a, a pretty solid team. How many games are going to win this fall? Five wins is the number set for Larry Fedora and the North Carolina Tar Heels. Um, the the big th- there was an interesting comment from Larry. He said, uh, "Learned a lot about our program li- last year. Uh, learned a lot about our fans." And I'm curious to here either on or off the record what he means by that um and learned a lot about you know what we can be you know he, he's very much preaching the uh like you know s- somebody who who is who has rehabilitated their stance on things somebody who has been to the bottom seen what it looks like and has come back a changed you know a changed program now uh they did have a ridiculous injury report last year lost so many players to injury but there is not, looking at the depth chart, uh, a ton of places where you can point and be like, this is going to be where the turnaround starts. So I'll ask you, who knows the personnel better than uh, definitely anyone even here in the state of North Carolina who's covering the Tar Heels, what do you think about North Carolina this season? Uh, I, I had them, you said the top number is five. I had them hovering around five and six. I have them, I, my on initial... I just literally marked out just now. I had him win and beating Pitt. I just crossed that out and switched that to an L. I got to find Pitt more wins somewhere. So I got Pitt at four, and I got I got UNC at five now. Um, I'm not. I just can't. It doesn't feel like this is going to be a three win team again, and it feels like Larry Fedora is a is a perennial bowl coach. I mean, that's what he's proven to be. So. I would think that last year was the blip and not the standard. Right. So I kind of expect them to find a way to get back right, and yet I'm not. I'm not looking at the roster and saying it's a sort of a some sort of a lock that they are. I mean, they're still they still got to figure out quarterback. What is it, Chaz Surratt? I guess is going to be their their projected starter or Nathan Elliott. <sighs> I mean, that's not that doesn't inspire confidence in me. The short, stumpy kid from Texas, you know, he was the most comfortable kid under center after, like, even Kate as Kate Horton, the the freshman. Uh, isn't Elliot from Texas? Oh, oh, I thought you saw. Okay, yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I think he is from Texas. I thought you because they 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 got another short, stumpy kid from Texas in the twenty uh, eighteen class in uh, Cade Fortin at quarterback. Cade is a great Texas quarterback name. That's right. Um, uh, I like Michael Carter at running back. Um, Agreed. I think I think he's a really really good player. I think he flashed Agreed. a little bit as a freshman. 
I, I think they've got good talent at offensive line too. Yeah, the offensive guys, line. The guys good. that are backfilling right now, mm-hmm. stepping into starting roles, I think are good. I think Dalton William Sweet, William Barnes, a true freshman that's got a chance to start. JJ McCargo. Uh, so. Jalen Dalton on the defensive line is an NFL player. Yeah. Uh, so they're 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 there, and they've got they got what three starters returning on in the in the secondary, um, some good ones among them. Like it's, but again, I think this is just one of those teams. You know, do you where where do you how do you have them against Pitt? You know, what do you have them doing against Virginia Tech? Are they going to beat? Are they going to win at Syracuse or at Virginia? You know, are they going to beat Duke on the road? Are they going to beat NC State? Like, they're just a lot of teams that just feel like they're a, just a tick better than, so, in, than North Carolina right now. I've got them beating Cal. Yeah, and that, they, absolutely they could. I, I, I've got them losing that game, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they won. But that's, I mean, like, so then, like, when UCF comes to town, I mean, UCF's good. Mackenzie Milton is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Um, right. You know, that's... That's a t- it's a strange schedule because the home opener is a game that looks like it's a loss. And depending on what's happened, I mean, going to play at East Carolina normally is a terrifying prospect. Right now, I think North Carolina probably uses that as a galvanizing moment, depending on what happens against Cal. But, you know, that pit game I do have as a Carolina win. I've got loss to Miami, probable loss to Virginia Tech. Um, but I, I think that they could beat Duke. I think they could beat NC state, you know, Western Carolina is a win. I, I am basically looking at Larry Fedora, a coach who's won 77 games in 10 years, an average of 7.7 games per season. And just thinking that a course correction from three and nine is somehow some way figuring out how to get to a bowl game. And when the when with the the schedule at the end of the year being easier your last six games are Syracuse Virginia Georgia Tech Duke Western Carolina and NC State no definite losses like all yeah, potential yeah, wins and if your goal is to get to a bowl game that's where i think the faith is in Larry Fedora the coach who averages 7.7 wins a year to to get that team with enough good players on it to gel together and get the job done. So I've got North Carolina over. I think that's I think that's a reasonable pick. Um, all right. We got Virginia left. Virginia. That's the last one. That's What's the last their number? Five. Count them up. So I have Virginia at six and six. Uh, very much, very similar. So this is this could be another one that I. I give a swing back over to Pitt because they could be five and set five and seven too, because um, I have them losing a, or beating Pitt. I, I think for, the way I met with Virginia is they they were really bad two years ago, but they improved. You know they they nearly beat Louisville. They you know nearly beat Wake. They had sort of a late season improvement. Well, All right, remember, the last they, season they were right there against Miami. Yep. Yep. And then last season, they it was cleared. You know, record showed they were improved. Went six and six, and yet, like they are still preaching that they don't have their roster in place. They're still t- tempering expectations. Bronco Mendenhall is telling them that they've got thirty-five players on their roster that are ACC caliber players, whatever the hell that means. And now, I don't like that. 
and and now they lose Micah Kaiser and and Quinn Blanding and Andrew Brown to the NFL. Uh, they lose their quarterback. They got a decent decent JUCO quarterback coming in that that could potentially be capable, but. I feel like six and six is they're not ready to take another step forward. I feel like this is a okay, started at zero, uh, jump to five. We're going to move back down to three, and then we'll jump to maybe seven next year. Like I think that's sort of the we're taking a we took a big step forward, taking a little step back, and now we could maybe take a big step forward again next year. But this is a five win team to me. I'm going to go push to I guess push to over since I, my initial hunch was six and six. But I, I don't. I, I'll go pushed over. I'm going under. Feel that's and I'm. I yeah and I'm. I, I yeah. I think that that's fair too. What I don't. Do th- I don't. I'm not confident Virginia beats Liberty. I mean, hey, <laughs> Liber- uh, remember when Liberty uh, was r- running up and down uh, the field against Baylor last year? Uh, yes, I do remember. They've got a quarterback that I love. Keep on talking, and I'll, and I'll All right. dig up his uh, name. I th- I've got Indiana as a loss. I've got Louisville as a loss. Buckshot Calvert. Buckshot Calvert. I've got <laughs> Buckshot. Liberty quarterback. I've got Buckshot Calvert. Buckshot Calvert running up 400 yards of total <laughs> offense in November against the Cavaliers. Yeah. Uh, Indiana, Louisville, NC State, Miami, North Carolina, Duke, Virginia Tech, maybe Liberty. I mean, I, just, I really quickly got to five, six, seven losses. Like it just, and that, and that was even before I started to like, and, and you know what? Maybe that is me being unfair to the personnel in place. But as you mentioned, Bronco Mendenhall has not given me much indication that I'm going to be wooed by the process of, of digging into the, uh, the, the depths of the personnel. I think that the senior class last year and the guy you mentioned Quinn Blanding, Micah Kaiser, guys that could have gone to the NFL a year before but said True. they wanted to come back. I think that that was the that was the breakthrough moment. And you know they got to the bowl game and that's awesome. But man, Navy still ran up and down the field on them. Yep. Yeah. And and yeah, I think that's a great point. Like what if those guys had left? All right, they're probably sitting at instead of 6 and 6, they probably don't go to bowl. And I don't know. Maybe they just won three games last year, um, and then they're what you know they're now. What's our perspective on what this season comes? You know, I guess there's some other guys that maybe got a little more experience, but I, I think it's hard. It's hard to get excited about what this team will be this year with you know compared to the rest of the ACC. I agree. Uh, all right, so pushed under or under for the Virginia Cavaliers, Bronco Mendenhall. If you got any beef with it, come bring all your cattle and uh, your farm animals on down, and we'll talk about it in person. We can we can uh, we can, we can enjoy uh, a good a good chat. Um, I I feel all right. So we we talked about what is your what was your lingering uh, thought from looking at the ACC? You mentioned that it, you felt good, and it was where you had some of your strongest opinions, especially compared to the Big Twelve. What about the league as a whole? What what stood out? that maybe you learned or noticed from the process that was different? Oh, gosh, that was different. I mean, I – I well, I, I guess the, the fact that, like, to me, this could be a league that sort of flipped upside down. Besides Miami and Clemson, there's a lot of teams that seem to be, to me, capable of competing for division titles that, like, aren't 
teams that people are talking about. Like there's, there can be some non-traditional powers that make a, a pretty big splash this year. BC, Duke, um, to me, in my opinion. Um, but I also think that this is a league that's not good enough to test Clemson in the same level that the, the SEC and the Big Ten might be able to. Yeah, I, I think that there is – this is going to be a year where uh, – in in the con, I mean, I I find myself at at times being an ACC homer and not I, I don't care about carrying water, but I will find myself in these discussions, uh, especially you know the the SEC and ACC sharing a footprint leads to a lot of finger pointing and a lot of name calling and and pointing back and forth. I think. I think there are going to be some teams this year. I think in the ACC, the competition will be fascinating. It might be a year where the ACC is not packing the top 25 with a lot of teams. Feels a little top-heavy. I could see a lot of shifting in and out from like the 20 to 25 range. Right, right, a lot, right, right. A, lot of, a lot of ACC teams jockeying for those last five spots in the top 25. Like Clemson, I think, is going to be in the top five all year. Miami, probably in the top 10, top 15. And then... It's going to be tough after that. We'll see. Probably Florida State starts here at 21 or something. Something like that. No doubt. We'll see. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Make sure that you subscribe to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Uh, We're going to keep it coming. We got the Big Ten win totals next. SEC after that. Subscribers always are the ones that are going to be able to find them first. So, Barton, thank you very much. Deserved. Deserved.